Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Keeping It 1000 podcast is presented with limited commercial interruption. Thanks to our presenting sponsor, DraftKings Sportsbook. We're on to the divisional round for the NFL playoffs. And DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is celebrating with a huge odds boost for new customers. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, you can get 56 to 1 odds on any team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. Not a new customer? You can still get in on the action of the divisional round with same game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. And best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your funds whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code DNVR and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code DNVR for 56 to 1 odds. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. What is up, everybody, and welcome into the Keeping It 1000 podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Use promo code DNVR whenever you sign up and start gambling with us. I am joined today. I got it with a very special show I'm very excited about. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, legendary Denver Nuggets coach, George Carl. Coach, it's good to see you. Good to be here, Adam. Did the win last night. You got, you got a little bit lucky. Well, I didn't really, I, I, I actually agree. I got lucky because I knew we were doing the show today and I wanted it to, us to have something great to lead in. And we were blessed with something fantastic uh, to talk about and to help us join. Not just one legend today in Coach Carl. I got another Denver sports radio talk icon. Been doing this for over 40 years here in Denver. Been talking on the fan, one of the most recognizable voices in all of Denver sports media, Mr. Sandy Club. Sandy, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure, Adam. Good to be with you, too. So you're the best. So let's get right into this because this wasn't on the docket when I was outlying notes. I, you know, talk mentioned the game and we'll get into some bigger picture stuff. But we have to talk about last night. It was one of your it was not a beautiful game. I know Coach Carl is going to have some critiques about certain aspects of it because there were aspects of this game that were very ugly. But the thing we're going to remember a week from now, a year from now and maybe a decade from now was the heroic effort of Nikola Jokic when he went into takeover mode in that second half. Sandy, we've watched a lot of games from Jokic now over seven years. To me, this one was right up there with the best of his performances in the regular season. Uh, what, what was your takeaway in watching him when he put his foot on the gas pedal and said, I'm taking over this game in that second half? What was going through your mind? 
what was going through my mind is three years ago, he wouldn't have done this. That's great, um, I, I'm not sure pre-bubble uh, he would have been that assertive, uh, but he did what he had to do. And uh, the pass he made at the end of the game, I, I mean, we, we get so used to his making passes of that nature that I think we sort of take him for granted and we shouldn't take that one for granted. And of course that was the assist that gave him the triple double uh, for the night, but the way he took over the game, uh, in the last three minutes, three and a half minutes, uh, was just an example that although the Nuggets as a team aren't exactly entertaining us this year on right, a night-in, right. night-out basis, he's worth the price of admission by himself. I love that. And I love what you said about he wouldn't have done this three years ago because I think it's right around three years ago is when this switch has flipped in him. And I actually trace it back to an exact date. It was December 4th, I think, 2019. If you recall, he came into the season a little overweight. This was about three seasons ago. It had a couple photos from media day. didn't look so great. They play the Lakers, and Anthony Davis just, ta- just steals his lunch money, just completely dominates him in that game. And I thought there was a moment from that moment on for the rest of the year, he lost a ton of weight. Of course, the pandemic hit, and then the bubble arrives. But in the course of from December 4th all the way until the following fall, there just seemed to be a switch into him where he got hungry and for whatever reason, just started to become more aggressive coach. Do you see, I mean, is last night the culmination of a years long process of Jokic learning how to be aggressive. And to be honest, he kind of had a little bit of an F you attitude, even to his teammates at a certain point in that third quarter of I'm just going to take over. Is this the culmination of a long process for three years? I lost you there a little, Adam, but I think you're just asking me to talk about what happened last night. You know, the thing I got to talk about is I've been watching this guy play for three years. And I still don't know if I played him tomorrow, how I would cover him. (laughs) I really do not know, you know, coaches call me up and get, what do you think? What do you think you should do against Jokic? I don't have a good answer. Uh, you know, I, I still think you got to double them some, but you can't double them all the time. Uh, you know, last night you got the foul calls that he normally doesn't get. Uh, and I think in a lot of ways, the Nuggets were lucky to win that game. Sure. Uh, and, but his last five minutes of that game, I saw moves I haven't seen before. I've seen the slow one-two and the quick bust and long stretched out reach for the rim. Uh, I mean, I, he, I mean, last night he played more athletic than I've seen him play before. Love that. And, uh, you know, he looked like he had a little more professional pride and grit that was Kind of contagious. Uh, I thought it was an impressive performance. And uh, as, as Sandy said, uh, we're, we're ble- I've said it now for two years how blessed we are to have him in our presence, watching a guy that's going to, I think, go down as a, you know, maybe top 10 player of all time. And Sandy, one of the things George just mentioned, how do you cover him? I think one of the things, one of the traits of Jokic that maybe gets under-discussed, he figures teams out, and he figures players out. And I think part of this, like Rudy Gobert's a great player. Jokic has played against him 25 times in his career now. I think that's an equation he solved, 
and now there's nothing else that they can do. Last night, this was the third time playing the Clippers in one month. Last night felt like they threw a lot of the same th stuff. There was frustrating moments. Nuggets fall behind. But then he's like, I know what to do. And he just started attacking, using that athleticism to George's point. To me, that's problem solving is one of the defining traits of Jokic. And it sort of worked last week when they double teamed him in Los Angeles. Same right. team, Clippers. George and I talked after that game. Uh, right. George was terrific uh, in, in breaking down how the Nuggets broke down or really melted down that night. And it was like he absorbed all the lessons from that night. And right. the next time they play the Clippers, a week later, he's he's got the answers on the offensive end. And I thought that the, the defensive end was a little more mixed. And actually, right, right. those Zubats scored a lot of points. They, they were garbage points around the basket. Jokic was switching. Uh, they, they're trying to, I think, preserve him for the minutes they're playing him and preserve him a little bit on the defensive end of the floor. And maybe they sacrifice a little bit because I do think he's improved defensively. Right. But last night, I mean, the, the last play, they doubled, maybe even triple teamed him. And he finds a guy that's unfindable right. on the other side of the floor. And, of course, Gordon has to make the shot. But, you know, Gordon was making three-pointers last night. Right. Yep. You don't see passes like that from anybody else. And in terms of the all-time stuff, I just think the greatest thing you can say about Jokic is that he's unique. Yes. I, I don't know that he's better than Kareem or right. certainly not uh, Wilt. Uh, Russell, a totally different kind of player. Of the great centers. But none of those guys played like him. You can't compare him with any other center who's ever played uh, Walton in, in certain aspects, maybe, but I, I think even Walton himself concedes the oh, for sure. better passer. And yeah. that was Walton's strength. He right. plays like a guard. Yeah. He plays like a guard. He plays with the jab step. He plays facing. Yeah. He has a post-up game, uh, but his instincts are very much a guard oriented player. Head is always up, a slow dribble. His, his, his shoulders are always square to the basket. Uh, and then, you know, his one-twos last night were dynamic. I mean, I mean, he stepped through guys and got three-point yeah. plays. And, um, and everybody knew what was going to happen. And, you, and I actually thought it was kind of funny. I don't know if you guys recognize I thought Malone was playing the old Dirk Nowitzki, uh, uh, Jason Terry play at the end of the game. The two-man game on the right side of the floor with three shooters on the left side yeah. of the floor. And they ran that, what, six, seven times in a row? Maybe more. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, I mean, it was a, I mean, I, it was good. I felt good about it because, you know, I like I mean, we beat that team one year in the playoffs, but that play was hard to cover. Right. Really hard to cover when you have two guys. And I could see them going back to that when Jamal comes back. I think that's going to be a little bit of a, a bread and butter play for the Nuggets. Yeah. Well, going back to Sandy's point here, you know, so many people like to do the comparisons, as you were mentioned, Kareem and Tim Duncan and this or that. And I always push those to the side because I, I just don't look at basketball that way. The compliment that he has received that is most impressive to me, uh, Greg Popovich clearly loves Nikola Jokic, but this last time when he raved about him, he called him interesting. 
He said he's such an interesting player. And to me, that's the best way to describe him is I don't care. Is he better than this guy? Is he better than that guy? Like, we'll let the cards fall where they fall at the end of his career. But, man, is he interesting because he just is changing and inventing new ways to play the game. And to me, as a, a person who just loves the game of basketball, I love learning something new about the game I didn't even think of before in my life. That's what's so impressive. Um, you mentioned another part here, though, George. I think I think Jokic is getting better. And last night was a game where I feel like Jokic got better out of necessity. The only way they were going to win that game is if he left his comfort zone for about 25 straight minutes and just put his head down and went to the basket. And to me, that is how you get better, Sandy. What do you think about just this season and how he's had to push through to expand his game? Well, he's had to fight through a lot of frustration yeah. this year. And you can see that sometimes in the body language. And uh, the only flaw that I can ever find with him is the interaction with the officials. And <laughs> I, I think he has to cut back on that. But you know what? They complained, or Aaron Gordon did right, right. the other day about his only getting three free throws the other night. And last night he got 16. Uh, you know, George and I have talked about this a lot over the years. Officials read the papers, <laughs> or they get wind of stuff like this. And last night, uh, you know, Jokic gets fouled a lot, but maybe doesn't get calls when he's fouled in the act of shooting right. as much. And last night, I, I thought there were a couple of times, including that play at the end. Remember when he and Zubac got right. tangled up? He went to the basket, laid it in. I didn't see any foul, but there might have been one before he had had the ball, and that worked out great for the Nuggets. Uh, by the end of the game, that right. that was maybe the key play apart from the last one. So I, I just I see him off the court finding ways to make himself better. He's a better defensive player this year, and it reminds me a little bit. Uh, been, George especially would remember this uh, with Bird Magic uh, to an extent with Jordan in the off season they'd always find something they could work on yeah a part of their game that they could strengthen and inevitably they always did and uh, when I was growing up and uh, was was watching Wilt uh, Wilt would try to be the best but on everybody else's terms if they said uh, Wilt pass for example right so i'm going to lead the league in assists and then when he did that they said well will's getting older he can't score the way he once did and he'd go out and have a 50 point game and the teams he he was on the laker teams he was on were, were usually quite good so they usually won when he did that but Jokic doesn't doesn't do that right because there isn't any hole even free throw shooting right. in, in Jokic's game. And we're complaining that he's not an 80% foul shooter this year. He's down to what? 75, 76%. Something like that. Game. Yeah. In but climbing. He doesn't miss many when it matters. And last night I, he had to be tired at the end of the game. What he missed one free throw. Right. All night. Would have been 50. If with that, I think he might've missed two, but he missed the technical free throw, which would have oh, been that's right. That's right. Um, George, why did he get so many foul free throws last night? Was it Aaron Gordon's influence saying something? Was it him just being so aggressive <clears throat> with his head down? Why, why did he get so many last night? 
he's being guarded by a young kid that they can't cover him. <laughs> okay. Uh, and they didn't, they didn't have another option. Their other yeah. option was Stanley Johnson, which I kind of thought was interesting how he, how they went there. Right. And I, I've seen, I've actually said that maybe small is the way to go on him. With Take a big his, help. And then, and then dig back in on him and hopefully they don't make the three. One, there's another insight about last night's game. I don't know if you know, but Philadelphia and uh, their center scores 50. And my, my assistant coach that I brought in the league, Jesse Murmurs, is coaching that game. So I'm watching that game. And then I turn home and I watch Jokic. And very seldom do I ever watch only one game at a time. But because Jesse was coaching, I was watching him, and I went, you know, compare notes with him today. And then I get Jokic. And anybody that watched both those games knows who's the better basketball player. <laughs> they know who's the better basketball player. The guy in Philadelphia, it's spinning. It's all about spin. His attitude isn't good enough. He's too selfish. He's too individualistic. He doesn't do the little things that win games. And he doesn't build team effort. And then you watch Jokic. And he gets the same amount of numbers. His team is, you know, struggling to win a game. And he finds a way that we had never seen before to win a game. Uh, I mean, all the stuff we're saying, unique, interesting special uh you know the only thing i worry about is his legacy now is greatness right yep and greatness has to have a championship and i think someone in his in his camp has got to say that to him someday soon and that's what bothers me a little bit about the nuggets is they got swings for the fences and Brent Forbes is not swinging for the fences. It isn't. I'm just telling you, it isn't. I mean, it might be for next year when when Murray and, and, and Porter Jr. come back, then they have a great shooting team. But I don't think this guy's going to pull them out of their three-point problems that they have right now. Um, did you want to comment on that, Sandy? Just the idea. I mean, first of all, the Bryn Forbes, I don't think is their move. You're right. That was, but, but none, none, the question I guess I would throw to you, Sandy, is do you feel like the Nuggets are moving in a direction towards winning a championship? Obviously, they're trying to hold and wait right now for these injuries, but that aside, just the roster they put together, is that moving towards a championship or not, not enough in your mind? Uh, I agree with George. Um, you know, I, I may be a little stronger at times, a little weaker <laughs> at times than, than George. George is always consistent and, and concise. Um, I, I'm not thrilled with the construct of the team. Um, I mean, Jokic would average four or five more assists a game if they could shoot. Right. <laughs> and, and I, I, you know, Forbes in a limited way, catch and shoot, three-point shooter. Right. He's one of the five or six best. That's fine. He can't guard any of the three of us. Right. Um, and and he, he really doesn't do anything else. So he, he's strictly a catch-and-shoot three-point guy. Jokic will 
capitalize on that skill will make him available for those shots. But my deal, and again, I'm certainly not a doctor, but just from a common sense perspective, it makes no sense to me if you can't get at least 20 games out of Murray and or Porter, it makes no sense to me to bring them back this year. The risk far outweighs the benefit. It's not a championship team this year. They're a sixth place team, maybe a fifth place team, but they could also be a seventh place team. I mean, I put their chances of overtaking Dallas, at least from now, the team right ahead of them, about the same as I do of Minnesota passing Denver. Now, the big thing there is you want to stay out of the play-in tournament. So finishing right. fifth or sixth is much more conducive to some kind of run in the playoffs than finishing seventh would be. Seventh basically gives you no shot because uh, even if you get in, you're going up against Phoenix or Golden State, and you're right. not going to beat any uh, one of those two teams, either one of those two teams, in a, in a best of seven series. But – I really wonder, even about next year, my idea would be, if if we're me, given their situation, I, I just think as an observer, you load up for next year. Okay. Uh, you, you get Murray and Porter to the point where they can work out fully in the offseason, get them ready for next year. They're starting the year at 100%. And uh, – you know, they, they're sort of tight to the the cap, and unless they want, want to get into luxury tax land, uh, and I know George may have some thoughts on that, whether that, that would be good or bad, but that's part of swinging for the fences, I think. And I agree with George philosophically. They need, they need to make a move of, of some significance. And to me, they're spinning their wheels now, or even playing – Composo's energy is great, but again, that's all he brings on a consistent basis. You know, you're right. getting energy. You're you're certainly not getting shooting. Austin right. Rivers, uh, to me, and I think George and I might disagree with a little a little bit on on this. I, I just don't understand the value, and I I see all the holes. And so, why why they're keeping people who really have no use to them? Uh, is a little mystifying uh, to me, but maybe Cousins helps in that regard, and maybe Bryn Forbes helps a little bit. I mean, the bench can't get any worse than it is right now. And it's right. it's absurd that when Jokic is in the game, they're, you know, probably one of the five, six, seven best teams in the league. But when he's not, they're the worst. <laughs> the worst. You, you get, that's not a championship construct. Right. Right. George, oh, man. The part, hold on, George, because the part I want, I'm really curious, is he Sandy is suggesting that this season almost feels like a lost cause. The pushback, and I know you're a competitor. I know you've said you have Jokic, you deserve you owe it to him to always try to win the championship every year, no matter the circumstances. But here's my thought, because I agree. I have a hard time talking myself into the Nuggets winning a title this year. It's just hard to, to see. But I look around the league and I'm pretty unimpressed, even more so when you thought the Warriors, I thought I was very impressed with the Warriors. Well, now we know Draymond Green has a herniated disc in his back. That's not a small injury. That team might be handicapped. Kevin Durant's out for six weeks. That's not a small injury. That change, that's another contender. 
So I look at it and I say, yes, the Nuggets, it's hard to talk yourself into it, but you have Jokic and all these other teams are just one slight injury away from falling into where Denver is. George, is this a year that you would agree with Sandy and maybe Denver should be preparing for next season using this year to do that? I would say 90, 90%, maybe 80% of me is with Sandy. There is a window um, from a standpoint of, I think the journey of winning four playoff series is with two guys coming back that didn't have the whole year. They might have more energy, but their injuries are both difficult. Then, I mean, I think Murray is a two-year injury. The back, uh, the back, knows, yeah. the back could go out next week. You know, I mean, it's a hard one. So yeah, but I'm also at, watching last night. I'm going. I mean, this guy. You know, after what I saw last night, he's, he could be a top ten player ever. <laughs> and and I mean that that, that legacy needs a championship. And the management's got to recognize that. I mean, don't get me wrong. Giannis won one last year. If Giannis didn't win last year, I thought he'd be a little bit closer to getting out of Milwaukee. Mm. And I think Denver is in the same position, even though Jokic says all the right things. And I and I really believe he loves it here. Yeah. But, hey, he can live here the rest of his life but he might have to go somewhere else to win a championship. And I don't think, I don't see the Nuggets doing anything. I mean, the one area that I worry about, I was thinking about last night. I mean, I was all over last night. Jokic is now your second or third best defender. You think about that. He is now a good defender. Aaron Gordon is probably better. And there might be one guard they throw out there once in a while that gives you a little bit of a defensive mentality. But why so much offense? Right. Why are we going after so much guys that need to shoot the ball all the time? Is what I'd be sitting in the meeting going, we don't need any more offense. We need good basketball players and guys that make each other better. Playmakers, guys that have a defensive balance to their personality. Uh, we just have a lot of schizo out there some nights. And the and the numbers, holy hell, the numbers are so bad. <laughs> I mean, some nights it's a minus 30. God, you can't, I mean, I mean, it's unbelievable. I've never seen the numbers this high, except with Oklahoma City or right. Orlando or somebody like that. I mean, the number and discrepancy in the bench and and you got you got a lot of guys pulling three point shots that I think. Oh, George, did we lose you somehow? Can you hear him, Sandy? No. Okay, yeah, I think your your mic must have cut out there for a second, George. We'll give you a second to try to solve whatever it is. Um, going, you know, <laughs> there's a lot there. There's a kind of a lot to get to uh, out of that. You know, they did make a decision last night. It's interesting contrasting last night's game, Sandy, to the one that happened last week, which was last yeah. last week when they lost and they blew a 25-point lead. Bones Highland was benched in that game in the second half. And he had a really bad first half. Yeah, and he was he benched. Last night, Faku Campazo had a bad half, and he was benched. 
and Bones was allowed to play. Now, Bones didn't have a great game by any means, but when we talk about guys that can put pressure in the pick and roll and get to the rim and just have a little bit of more dy dynamic uh, offense, Bones Highland has that. He's, uh, he's inconsistent. He's, he can be a real anchor. But I thought that was an interesting choice for Michael Malone to go with the, the youngest player, and it actually paid off. What do you, how do you factor in the Faku Bones decision on who to play off the bench? Well, I, I would play Bones, uh, and, and this is to take nothing away from Composito's standing as uh, a fine international player, right. and I know the Nuggets like him, and um, Highland uh, makes silly mistakes. At least he wasn't running on the court while the game was still going. <laughs> My uh, goodness, man. Can you imagine if that determined the game? But you, you can – I think – I think you can live with those ups and downs – and the more he plays with Jokic, the more Highland plays with Jokic, the more he'll grow. Right. Now, again, you can't play Jokic with everybody for 48 minutes. That's so true. And I, I, I understand George's point of view. Uh, it's shared by a lot of people I, I talk to and I respect. Real quick, Coach, you are back. You're good. We'll, we'll I think we got George. Yeah, we yeah. got you back. Uh, but I, I just wanted to say there is a point of view out there very much in line with George's that the Nuggets are wasting an all-time great town. Would you have traded? I mean, one of the solutions here is would you have traded Jamal Murray when he went down? Just saying, hey, we can't afford to waste a season and a half of yo two playoff runs with Jokic. We can't. We love you. We think you're a great player, but we got to maximize and move on now. Would you have done something like that? Uh, I wouldn't have done that. Uh, I would have given serious consideration to trading Porter uh, yeah. before too late now. Yeah, yeah, the operation, obviously. Right, too late now. George, everybody wants to know this one, and and you know the way it's worked out. I understand Demarcus Cousins and the Denver Nuggets still have interest, uh, and that there's likely to be, a, you know, he's likely to be brought in at some point, whether it's this week, next, or sometime soon. You, you have an experience with DeMarcus Cousins. What do you think about the Nuggets bringing him in as reinforcements uh, for even if it's just for a 10-day? <laughs> We're having some technical. We're going to have to get to that one. Why don't we take a break, Kale? Uh, on the other side, maybe George will have this uh, situated. You can work with him. But first, I'll let you know about our presenting sponsor today. We're on to the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. And DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is set celebrating with a huge odds boost for new customers. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, you can get 56 to 1 odds on any team. Bet just $5 and get 200 80 in free bet if your team wins. Not a new customer, you can still get in on all the action with same game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger parla uh, payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit, withdraw your cash whenever you want. Hits your bank account very quickly, no waiting days. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code DNVR and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 and win 268 in free bets. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. New customers are only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Coach, are you back with us? I am. My phone rings and I get disconnected. You're going to have to figure that one out for me. <laughs> I'm going to have to. Um, so everybody wants to know DeMarcus Cousins. I, I understand that he is still on the Nuggets radar and they're still – uh, a good chance that he's going to be joining the team sometime over the next couple of weeks. 
It's obviously volatile. Jokic is here. He's the team star. DeMarcus Cousins, same position. What are the risks, in your opinion, and how great are those risks in bringing DeMarcus Cousins in for reinforcements, even on a 10-day contract? Uh, You're asking me, huh? (laughs) I don't think there's anyone more interesting to ask. I think you're right. Uh, You know, I think you're relying upon... If you're relying, all you're wanting to get out of them is help to rest Jokic. It's a big time play. Right. Because you could get a win in a playoff series because of Cousins. He's a very talented kid. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, the chemistry of the locker room, how everybody's connected. Malone says he has a great relationship with him. All that is good. But I still think you got to be aware of the history of his career. And, you know, I'm a, I, I think, um, Adam, you and I, and Sandy, you and I have talked about negative energy. The man that brings a negative energy to the game of basketball way too often for anybody to really like it. I don't care what Malone says. You know, Malone didn't have big winning seasons with, with Cousins. I I think they won 29 or 30 games. Uh, I know. I I think, George, at least for a while, your winning percentage with Cousins was better than Malone's winning percentage with Cousins. And it's clear that Cousins likes Malone and Malone likes Cousins. But again, last year, when it was a choice between McGee and Cousins, they chose McGee and they didn't even play McGee. Right, right. It's confusing. But I think if it's, he's on a non, non-guarantee and you could always walk away from the contract, I think it, I then, then I think it's a decent play. I think it's a play that I would if I, even I was coaching, I'd say, we need to rest Jokic. We need to give him some type of rest. And to be honest with you, if, if Jokic would get hurt, Cousins can put good numbers on the board. I don't know if they're winning numbers like Jokic is a winner. Cousins is a guy searching for how to become a winner. I think if you look at it, the Nuggets have a six-game road trip coming up. It was a five-game road trip. It turned into a six-game with, with the added Brooklyn Nets game. If you look at that, they go at Detroit, at Brooklyn. Then you go down, you got New Orleans, Milwaukee, Minnesota, Utah. Utah again on a back-to-back off of a six-game road trip. Just a brutal Utah schedule this year. Nuggets playing Utah. They could get if they signed him at the start of that road trip, he could actually play the entirety of it or at least be available. And when you talk about six games in 10 nights, I think it's very smart to rest Jokic one of those games. So if DeMarcus Cousins is true value is allowing Jokic to take a game off and you still have a chance to win that game. To me, that is the best use of him. But here's my question. And I'll ask Sandy this first, but I want to hear your question, your answer as well, George. Who do you think? would get received the most pressure from DeMarcus Cousins joining the team? Would it be Michael Malone? Because now he has to, am I playing him? Am I not playing him? Is, is it here or there? Is it Nikola Jokic who all of a sudden has a guy who was his rival a year ago and now is his understudy? Is it, is it somebody else? Who has pressure in that situation? Well, I, I guess Malone would. As far as I can tell, Malone is the only coach that DeMarcus Cousins has ever had Nice things to say about, right, right. including John Calipari, by the way. 
right? Very much including John Calipari. Really? They, they didn't get along. I didn't know. So, that. Yeah, it, yeah. Uh, so <laughs> I, I suppose there's pressure on Malone more than there is on Jokic. I mean, Jokic can play with anybody. Yeah. Jokic doesn't get caught up in uh, the other stuff, uh, you know, that, that goes on behind the scenes. The, the stuff we uh, talk about. Now, Jokic is going to play the same way. And uh, I, I would like the idea of resting him for one game on this trip. I just don't know if they have the luxury of, of doing that uh, at this point. But I, I could see one. If they ought to get one, maybe even two blowout wins on this trip. And they might get blown out once or twice, too. And those are the games where you can cut his minutes way back and, yeah. quote, unquote, rest him. But it would be. I agree with George. Anybody you can get at this point who might conceivably give you an edge in a playoff game that you wouldn't otherwise have, he's worth taking a shot on. I think the Marcus Cousins, you got to give him a, a, a minimal role for the first 20 games. Yeah. And see what he gives you and see how he reacts. He's kind of on a a test. He's got. He's got to show not only the coach and the organization, but the locker room and the players in the locker room that he can help because they they need help. They need a personality off the bench. Uh, in a lot of ways, uh, Cousins has become a three point shooter. And he's a pretty good three point shooter. So. I think that's another, I think one of their weaknesses is their inconsistency from the three ball. So I think the dice roller I'll bring them in is I'm okay with. It's worth it. But don't, don't expand it until you're confident it's going to work. Do you like the 10 day rule coach? I mean, I know this has arisen because of the pandemic, but do you like this expansion, the G league and all these players that are now available as resources to teams? Do, do you like that? Or do you feel like it's a hindrance? Well, I mean, the whole thing goes to the COVID situation. Basketball is, is scrambling to get back to the old time. Uh, get back. I apologize. My dog's not crazy on me. But I bring, per I bring personality to this show. Uh, uh, I, I think what I haven't liked about the NBA this year is there are guys playing big-time games I never heard of. I don't even know where they're from. And then I go, my, my son's in the G League, and he's losing games because all his players are now playing in the NBA. And so... You know, it's frustrating, I think, for the G League coaches. COVID is now hitting everybody. It's hitting colleges. It's hitting high schools. And until we figure it out, I think we just got to live with, you know, the situation that we're at hand. And coaches got to learn how to adapt to it. Right. And and I'm, I'm actually kind of tired of always blaming it on COVID or something like that. Everybody has problems right now in figuring out their rotation, who's playing, who isn't playing, how to handle a seven-game road trip. All those things now are more difficult because of COVID and the circumstances around COVID. 
one thing that about there's not a lot of positives from the COVID, you know, era of sports in the NBA, though. One thing, and this is a good transition because I want to spend the rest of the show now talking big picture about the evolution of the league and sports in general. Sandy, I 43 years covering sports on, on the radio here in Denver, so I want to get that big picture perspective from you. One thing I like about sports to me, it is about solving problems with your team throughout the course of the season. You figure out who you are, you're tested. You're broken, you're rebuilt, and then you go into the playoffs and, and, and you compete. And I feel like the NBA's moved a little bit away from that. The, the, the championship is almost won on paper in many ways in terms of, hey, let's put some super teams together. How do I get this guy and this guy? And it doesn't matter what our margin for error is because we're still good now. This season, everybody is facing adversity. This is the old adage, everybody has a game plan until you get punched in the mouth. Just about every team in the NBA this year has been punched in the mouth. And now it's like, who can just figure out a way to win despite that? So if there's one silver lining, I do feel like this is the season of everyone's just being punched right now. Who's the toughest? Is that yours, Sandy? I'll take a crack at that one. No, I, I, I think it's true, and it's true on all levels. Uh, I mean, the College basketball season has been kind of funky, uh, yeah. but sometimes in a good way, you know, yeah. uh, with with top ranked teams getting knocked off. I mean, Baylor looks invincible uh, maybe at about this time a week, 10 days ago, whatever. Then they lose two in a row at home. Right. Uh, you know, they lose to an unranked team at home. Uh, it, and it, it it makes for good conversation because everything is so fluid but I, I think you have to be nimble. You have to be agile. You have to be resourceful. Uh, you have to look at change as a constant. And I'm afraid of uh, the Nuggets being a, a little too rigid. Uh, I know everybody's struggling with what kind of policy to implement on uh, COVID and we've seen the, uh, the time of uh, isolation change right. to shorten. If you're asymptomatic now in hockey, I think you as long as you're asymptomatic, uh, you don't get tested. It, it, I think everybody is just uh, searching in the dark yeah. for a way uh, to keep it together. And, uh, you know, from a media standpoint, uh, you know, I was lucky and uh, I hope and I think I knew I was lucky at the time, not only to cover George's teams more recently, uh, when the Nuggets were by far the most open organization uh, in town, uh, if not the most successful, by far the most open organization in town compared to the Broncos, the Rockies and uh the avalanche. But back in the 80s, uh, you know, you, you had access. Uh, right. you, you'd fly on the same planes. You, 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 you'd even did Doug love to take bus rides because Doug didn't like to fly. So when we were in Texas, you know, we'd take a bus from Houston to Dallas. And I would, I, I would talk with Alex English on the bus uh, for 20, 30 minutes, fat lever. Uh, right. Right. You don't have that anymore. Right. And now with, uh, the restrictions, which I think most teams actually kind of like, Oh, yeah. Steals the media off. You can't ask follow-up questions. 
there's no sidling up to somebody in the locker room and just having a quick 10 or 15 minute conversation. It doesn't even have to be on the game just played or, right. or the sport itself. You lose that. Yep. And I think for, for that reason, the journalism uh, on the print side anyway, is one of transcribing more than analyzing right. and offering opinion based on your having talked to these people one-on-one, both on the record, off the record, um, even for background uh, purposes. And so we get kind of a sanitized view uh, of what is going on. And I think actually teams being held accountable is a really good thing. And it's harder to do now in this day and age than it was even five years ago. The irony of it, Sandy, is as the the players seem less authentic in large part because we don't get to see them being their authentic self. To your point, when you're inundated with all of the little things people say and their personalities and this or that, you feel like you get to know them and they're people and you judge them as people. What we are presented now so often is a very planned ver- image of like, hey, here's the player. This is the context for which you can talk to him. We're going to hide him and we're going to try to sell you the story about that player. And I feel the irony of it is in doing so, in protecting the players' image, the players have actually become more alienated from fans and from media, and they've almost become more criticized in that way because we're trying to peek through. So to me, I feel like it's actually been a negative on that. Coach, I'll throw this one to you. What do you most like? Try to be positive for a second. What do you most like about this era of NBA basketball? I'm going to get into least like here very quickly. I imagine it'll be easier to answer, but first most like. Uh, I think the league has plateaued a little bit. I thought for 20 some years, maybe 25 years, the league has gone consistently in a good way. But I think COVID has kind of plateaued it. Mm. Um, what I really like about the league is I think we're going to expand and I think Seattle's going to get a team. Yeah. And I think that's that, that's really exciting to me. Um, and and I, I like I like I like I like playoff basketball. I don't like the format that we have getting into the playoffs. I think reseeding the teams after every round would be a lot more exciting for everybody. Interesting. Uh, and I don't think we should have divisions anymore. I think yeah. the best 16 teams Outdated. should make the playoffs. Yeah. Even conferences then, so even do away. Well, I'll start do, with Go away with everything. Yeah. I'll start with you, Sandy. I'm curious, what, what do you like most about this era? Like, what the unique factor of it do you really appreciate? Um, I, I think the, the game is faster uh, now than it was certainly when I was growing up. Uh, and uh, George and I are roughly the same age. Uh, so we, we saw the same things growing up. And I, I go back on YouTube and watch uh, games sometimes. And uh, I, I just notice, and it's true with all sports, how fast the games are today on the major professional sports level compared to uh, how slow they were. <laughs> uh, certainly right. speaking in a relative sense, slow they were back in the day. And George made a point the other night that uh, I hadn't thought of when we were talking after one of the games that, uh, you know, when 
nope. it, 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 coach, but uh, you said when you were coaching uh, here, uh, there might have been five or six other teams that kind of pushed the pace right. the way you like to do it. And now there might be, what, 20 teams that do that? I think more. Two thirds of the league, maybe even more than that. Maybe yeah. more like 80% of the league does that. Yeah. And you have players like John Morant, who yeah. I think it percolate up every year, uh, not necessarily out of nowhere, but uh, they go from being good players to stars uh, to being electrifying. And, uh, you know, we, we get to watch Jokic every night, but uh, Giannis is, is wonderful. And right. uh, John Morant is a wow, a revelation. And <laughs> yeah. Steph Curry continues to play at uh, an extraordinarily high uh, level and shoot shots that just weren't ever attempted before, even with a right. three pointer in effect uh, shots that you've never seen before. So th- I enjoy watching a sport where I can still on a given night, see something I've never seen before. And that sport is evolving. I, I couldn't agree more with George on Seattle, by the yeah. way, <laughs> yeah. it is a joke that the NBA does not have a franchise there. And hopefully there will be one there very soon. Not just a good sports town, but also a good basketball town. A lot of good players come out, of, out of Seattle. So great basketball, basketball culture there from the grassroots level all the way up. Um, for me, I, I, I like what you said, Sandy, because for, for me, that's what I like too. We're in the sort of unicorn era in that there's a lot of yeah. basketball being discovered. Giannis is a discovery in basketball. I mean, we didn't think there would be a seven foot, you know, guy that moves like that. Jokic is a discovery in basketball, and there's just a lot of those. And so that's what I really like about it. What do you least like about it, Sandy, the era right now, the way the game is played or, or something off the court, any of it? Uh, I, I think the NBA uh, remains the most progressive of the major sports leagues here. Uh, but I, I would I would like to see a more open environment Uh we used to do right. uh, roundtables all the time yeah. that would involve general managers right. and coaches. And just from my narrow slice of uh, the world uh, in uh, media covering the NBA, uh, from a talk standpoint, I, I miss those days. Yeah. Uh, Tim Connolly is actually very good. Uh, I think Michael Malone is is good too, but. Uh, you know, the the George Carls and uh, the Doug Moes and the Larry Browns and uh, the, uh, most all of the coaches, even the less successful ones that I've covered here in uh, Denver with the Nuggets, uh, they were accessible. You could you could talk to them. And I think the more the league moves away from that, the more they become uh, the NFL. Uh, hockey's been pretty open. Hockey's changed for the worse, too, in that it's more closed off. And if it's closed off to us, on some level, it's going to be closed off to the fans, too. And the thing I like least about it is that I think the fan conversation uh, is less nuanced Mm. and more of the uh, so-and-so's a hero and -and so-and-so's a bum, and there's nothing in between Almost feels like every team has one good player and a bunch of scapegoats. Is sometimes it's reduced. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. Yeah, <laughs> that simple. 
George, here's a question I have for you. The last decade has been the decade of super teams, but we've seen a little pushback on this. John Morant, Nikola Jokic, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Damian Lillard. Now, you can question the sincerity of all of those guys and what they've said, but some guys have pushed back and said, hey, winning a championship doesn't mean as much if you have to go and move around to do it, winning it in a place here. Do you feel like the era of super teams is maybe dying a little bit and that this new generation views that differently than the LeBron generation does? I hope so. I, I hope it gets to back to the old, kind of an old school loyalty. I mean, I love Jokic and Giannis wanting to stay in small markets. Right. Um, but I, I think a lot of that has gone that I think the league has realized that we – there are, there are 50 players that think they're superstars, but there's only really about 15 superstars. Right. And so all these max contracts, that doesn't make you a superstar. And it doesn't make you a player that wins in the playoffs. And if you're building a championship, you got to get guys that know how to win in the playoffs. Denver Nuggets, listen to me. Go get players that know how to win in the playoffs. Uh, you know, Bose Highland, I love. I think he's going to be really good. Yeah. But he doesn't even know how to be an NBA player yet. Right. Let alone and, the playoffs, yeah. Right. And, okay, in two years or three years, he might. But you got to win. You, right. you got to build it. It's, it's, it's constructed. There's a, there's a purpose and a plan to winning a championship that I want Denver to have, and I really don't think they have it. I've got two more questions. and we I know we're, we're running low on time here, Sandy, but they're big ones. Um, I think a lot about how much Denver has changed. And, George, in your era, Denver had already begun to change. I mean, this is a transplant city. People have been really immigrating to Denver for quite a while from other cities. But I wonder how much that the, the rapid change from Denver in the last 20 years has diminished the possibility for Denver to become a Nuggets town the way it was in the 80s and, and, and at certain points. Do you feel like maybe it's bad marketing, it's not being on TV, obviously those things contribute, or do you feel like this is a city that most people have teams when they move here and they have teams that they keep and, and this is a very accommodating city? Do you think there's something to that that Denver just doesn't have that history because so many of the people haven't been here long enough to have that? I, I've been here for a while. I've seen uh, Denver at high points. I've seen Denver at low points. And, you know, I, I, I think Carl Shear always had a great attitude about it because the Nuggets were successful yeah. before the Broncos were. Uh, oh. The Nuggets were in the ABA finals in the last right. year of the ABA, right. as George well remembers. Uh, the Broncos hadn't even made the playoffs a single time, and the right. Nuggets are playing for a championship in an ABA at that point that at least with respect to the top teams, and I'm an old NBA snob, but being out here re-educated me. Uh, the Nets – and the Nuggets in 76 were better teams than Boston and Phoenix were in 76. The Celtics were getting old. Right. Uh, that was probably the weakest of the Celtic championship teams. And they played Phoenix in the finals. I don't even think Phoenix had a winning record 
uh, during the regular season. It, it, the NBA was awful. Doug's talked about this a lot. <laughs> Maybe I mean I, Doug probably made me a convert. Yeah. The NBA when the merger took place, the NBA stunk. Yeah. Their finals games were on tape delay. Right. The quality of play was bad. It was an old league. It was a slow league. And the shame of it, it to me at the beginning at least started with Dr. J not being able to play the way Dr. J had played in the ABA. And he mm. was still a great player, and you saw flashes of it, but it, the NBA homogenized every everything. But yeah, here yeah. in Denver, uh, I, I think Carl Shear, when the Broncos had their breakthrough year in 77, a lot of the staff complained, hey, they're a flash in the pan. They haven't done anything. Gotcha. We should be more popular. We should. Uh, why is KOA Radio prioritizing the Broncos over our games and coverage uh, right. of our team when we're just as good as they are and we've been better a lot longer? And Carl right. said, it's their time. We have to let them have their moment. Interesting. And I, I, I think that was the right approach because the Broncos, even if they're really bad, uh, obviously, if they're really good, they're going to be the number one story in town. That doesn't make it any more of a football town or any less of a basketball town. It's a Broncos town. And uh, the Nuggets and Avalanche can get close to that, but I don't think year in and year out they're ever going to be able uh, to match it. Um you know, I, I think of the four teams in town, there's no doubt that the Avalanche and Nuggets are a lot closer to being champions than the Broncos and Rockies are. And I think we ought to appreciate that. And uh, I know with our station, we've made a conscious attempt. And I think with George assistance, uh, it's been successful in shifting our focus, uh, certainly at nights, from strictly Bronco talk to heavy avalanche nugget talk coming on immediately after games that have just been played. And as you refer to, games that can't be seen most nights by most people. And I, I, the one thing I'll say about it is I feel like even the Broncos' foothold has lost it a little bit. Not just over the last five years when they've been down, but you can go to any bar in Denver right now and it might be an Eagles party. It might be a Cowboys party. It's just the city has changed so much that I yeah. feel like that con connectivity has changed. But I want to—I got to get this one before I get you out of here, Sandy, and that is I said something a year ago. I was after a playoff game, I'm sure, and I got a lot of pushback from a lot of the uh, the – the original uh, Denver media members like yourself, the Vic Lombardi, some of these guys that have been around for a long time. I said, I think Nikola Jokic has a chance and outside. I'm not saying he's there, but he's great enough that he has a chance to be one of, if not the quintessential Denver sports athlete. Now there's a lot of, of career left for him to do that and reach the heights of a wah or an Elway or some of these guys, you got to yeah. win championships. Yeah. But the reason I think it's important to bring it up now is I I don't want people to be caught off guard if he does win championships with this conversation because I watch him play and I say, I think he is as, every bit as good at his craft as a lot of these other guys were just without the accolades. Do you, is that a, do you kind of scoff at that statement or do you feel like it's a possibility? No, I don't scoff at it. Uh, 
I, I think, you know, listen, we, we had Elway winning two championships at the end of his career. We had Peyton right. Manning two of his last three years going to Super Bowls, winning a championship right. in his last year. We had Ray Bork in his 40s winning his only Stanley Cup here. So we've been, we've been spoiled. We've had some great stories. But now we have players in this city like Jokic and McKinnon and McCarr. Right. And these are players we've grown up watching. Right. And what uh, what a blessing it is. Right. I, I think that to have I, – I think of the three, Jokic has the best chance of being – an all-timer, uh, maybe the least chance to win multiple championships because I think right, the Avalanche are going to win at least two the way they won two in 96, their first year here, and uh, five years later in 2001. But, yes, I think Jokic can be on that Mount Rushmore uh, of great athletic performers in the history of this city. Uh Elway is always going to be number one. Uh, Manning's four years here were magical. Yeah, it was yeah. four years. Very special. Uh, Bork was two years. Uh, right. So you can't put Jokic and McKinnon. Uh, these these guys are in their mid-20s now. Right, right, right. They, they, they've got eight to ten more years, assuming good health. And and McCarr, has even, McCarr may have closer to 15 more years. So all these guys can be Hall of Famers. When have we ever been able to say that in the history of Denver sports, that we're in the process of watching several Hall of Famers? Well, Sandy, you've been around long enough to see a lot of evolutions in Denver sports. And uh, so if anybody would know, it would be you. I thank you so much for taking an hour out of your day to share these insights. I thought this was a great conversation. Thank you so much. Thanks to both of you. George, thank you so much, uh, and and your dog. So we had another special yeah. guest, another legendary guest here. George's. What's the dog's name? Mocha. This is Mocha. All right, Mocha, hey. you're the star of the show today. Uh, right, thank right. you, everybody. Don't forget to hit that like button, subscribe to the podcast, and of course, you can catch Sandy over at 104.3 uh, The Fan. Everybody, have a great day. We'll see you next time. <laughs>